What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Pat, it's 2020. Yeah. It's a new year. Yeah. Do you reckon if we call Jason Furman, his attitude might have improved? Only one way to find out. Should we call him? Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. Hello, Buffhead. Hey, Cockhead, what are you doing? <laughs> you woke me up, you bastard. Did, we're recording another ad and we thought we'd call you. Just to- <laughs> yeah, you fucking woke me up. You're lucky, all right? Answer this. <laughs> oh, is that one of the reasons you don't like people calling you because you work nights? Yeah, that's like I, I, I try to stay awake until fucking midday, but no, people ring me at like three in the afternoon. Oh, like as if they have lives. Hey, Jace, got any cool stuff for sale through IronswickDogQuip.com? Yeah, if uh, you get on the website, and if you're a balanced trainer, certified balanced trainer, that's NDTF or Bart Bell and Gold School, right. um, you can get up to $40 off. HS products. I see. Is that because you're an ethical good guy and you're trying to outprice people just buying them without knowing what they're doing with them? Pretty much. There are other reasons, but mostly it's that. I'm a, I am an asshole as well. But <laughs> so if people wanted all this kind of dog training equipment. Uh, equipment? Yeah, equipment. Is that a chipmunk with, that has equipment on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is, is that my new name, Pat? Yeah. You're the equipment. The equipment. <laughs> yeah. Where do they go to check out that? Best bet is einsvex.com, www.einzwek.com. All right. Happy New Year, Buffhead. Glenn, are you eating dog food? I'm not eating dog food. Okay. But people thought I was last time. This is why we're redoing this ad because last time we were doing it, we had people ringing up saying, I'm very confused. It sounds like you're eating dog food. What dog food did people think you were eating? They thought I was eating Bright Spites. Why would people think you were eating it? Well, because on our ad last time, I made a little rustle and you said, Glenn, what are you doing? And I said, I'm enjoying some Bright Spites. Isn't it that the Bright Spites are so healthy and nutritious for a dog that they're amazing to use in training because dogs love the flavor of them. They're actually very good for the dog. Hmm. And they're so delicious that you thought maybe you'd have a little nibble? Well, you could because it's been so well made, as you said, as you pointed out. Kylie Bright uses all the best products that you could possibly think of in her dog treats Mm -hmm. that you could possibly eat them, but they're not recommended for human consumption, but they are great for your dog. Okay. Where would I get these? DogSquadCanineServices.com.au Did you say DogSquadCanineServices.com.au? I did, sir. Would I spell that canine or spell it out? Canine as in C-A-N-I-N-E, not K-9. Okay. So spell it out, dogsquadcanineservices.com.au. Get yourself some bright bites, use them to train your dog. Don't have a nibble yourself unless you really want to. Exactly. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart, and I'm joined in our brand spanking new studio by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Studio looks good, doesn't it? It's a table. <laughs> it's, it's a, a studio. table. It's a studio. We have new chairs so that we can actually sit opposite each other instead of sitting on a couch and sort Slumped of over. bending, trying to trying to look at each other and, and fat also- t- out. Yeah, just slothingly. Yep. Right? Also trying to talk in microphones. Now we can sit opposite each other. It's very mm. fancy. Yeah. And it's actually the first time we've recorded in nearly a month. Yeah, because we it is. we we banked some episodes because we've been apart. We're both in separate parts of the states working for about three weeks. Yeah, mm. so it's been near, close to a month since yep. we've actually been here doing this. I've yeah. forgotten how to do it. I know it kind of feels weird, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like when you do jujitsu or something like that, and you've had a month off, and then you go back and think, "What am I doing here?" Mm. Yeah, which is going to happen to me. Yeah, mm. you haven't been back yet. Oh, because you've been sick. Yeah. So tell us about that. Where do I start? <laughs> so I saw you call yourself a big man baby on Facebook. I was laughing hysterically at that. 
Well, I literally felt like a great big useless man baby because that's all I could do is just waddle around from location to location, lie there and wait for someone to bring me food and water. <laughs> and and the, the sad thing about that is the job fell on Melanie Benware, who, yeah. for all of you who do know or don't know, is the current serving IACP president. Mm-hmm. And she also had me staying at her place while I was over there in, in uh, Ashland, Virginia. Lovely place too. Before I go into any more detail about my illness, at least I was sick in a beautiful location. Like where she lives is just beautiful. Mm -hmm. She lives in this beautiful woodland area and I think they've got about 12 or so acres and it backs onto a beautiful big river. So they've got walking tracks, but she's also got this lovely great big open field as her front yard. Mm -hmm. Beautiful spot. Like it's just remarkable. It was just so nice and surreal to wake up and look out and watch one of the highlights for me at breakfast time was watching squirrels getting into the bird feeder, like mm-hmm. hanging upside down and battling each other and doing their superhero landings as they were jumping out of trees. And have you seen that before? Yeah, yeah. So I actually got to witness some of those sort of things firsthand, which was quite like for us, you know, like Americans look at us and go, what's your intrigue with squirrels? But we don't have them. Yeah. You know, and I mean, and obviously there's a lot of marsupials that we have over here in Australia. That They're they, all nocturnal. You don't see them. Exactly. So we've got, you know, possums and and platypus, which are weird-looking creatures. And when people come over here, they're like, wow, look at all this. So when we go over and see squirrels running around, it's it's a novelty to us. Yeah. So, yeah, that was quite fascinating, having breakfast, watching squirrels smashing each other over birdseed in a, in a feeder. Was it squirrels or chipmunks we were looking at in Canada that time? They were chipmunks, chipmunks right? Yeah. 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 yeah, running around at the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was again. It's a surreal thing to watch those little creatures tearing around. Yeah, I remember the first time when I went to school in the states when I was walking to go get a coffee at you know four thirty in the morning and I saw a squirrel for the first time and I was like fumbling trying to get my phone out of my pocket like, well, I've I've, I've seen one and then you know, do it that photo and then saw another two hundred of them. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, these are everywhere. Yeah, they're kind of like rats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. cute little rats yeah well they, i mean they, they are cute they're adorable little things yeah. like the way they run and their little tails and everything like that but to people who live over there they're they're a pain in the ass yeah, you yeah. know they get in their their in the bin in their bins and in their lofts and like they raid their bird feeders like mel and her husband have got a bird feeder there so they can bring beautiful birds in and watch them and all it is is just squirrel carnage <laughs> squirrel carnage <laughs> So, yeah, I got sick while I was over there, thanks to someone I won't name by name who comes from Texas and is a man and is on the board of directors. And his name's Nelson Hodges. Not Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Nelson, uh, he did turn up to the meeting quite sick and subsequently knocked us all out with it, which was a bit of a, a pain to go all the way over to America and then end up um, hibernating on somebody's chair in there. How long did it take to kick in? I arrived on a Thursday. The board of directors meeting was on a Saturday morning. Nelson was, I think Nelson was sick probably Saturday afternoon and into Sunday. And I think by Monday night, I was coughing. By Tuesday morning, I was almost delirious from pain and fever. Oh, so I spent pretty much Tuesday. Are you contagious now? Should I even be here? I don't know. Oh, great. I don't know. But Corona. Um, Corona. Yeah, well, I don't think it's coronavirus because a few people got tested over there and didn't come up with the symptoms of it. But yeah, nonetheless, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a very pleasant experience because, like I said, all I did was literally sit on Mel's couch, sit on Mel's couch, checking in and out of Netflix, waking up with a delirious fever. While Mel was trying to uh, bring me in food and drink, what a bummer! It was a bummer because we had some really fun activities planned and also some people to hang out with and some things to go and see and do while I was over there. So, yeah, it was a, it's a long way to go to, to end up three days flat on your back, um, mm. sweating your lungs out, mm. and then having to endure 20 hours of flying to get back home again. Ugh. Mm. That would be brutal flying It was, it like was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And, and you'd be that guy on the plane. Yeah, I was that guy that everybody was <laughs> covering their mouth and just looking at me like typhoid Mary. <laughs> yeah. And there was no hiding that I was sick. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm just sitting there smiling at people while I'm sweating and, you know, my eyes, I actually look like I'd probably just smoked a round of doobies. <laughs> <laughs> a round of doobies. <laughs> my, my eyes were glazed uh, over. I'm sitting there with this shit-eating grin on my face and, and just coughing and hacking like I've, I, I was a 20-year veteran smoker. Yeah. So, you need yeah, a shirt that says, don't worry, it's not corona. Yeah. 
There he goes. Mm. So the ISCP board meeting, first one that you've first, been to. First one. So and where was it? It was in Ashland. Right. Yeah. So Ashland, Virginia or Richmond, Virginia around there. So uh, apparently Richmond, Virginia is considered or called RVA. So I've learned the the local slang. Right. And yeah, lovely. Like I said, lovely area. Beautiful houses and farms and properties around there. Like it, it really is a beautiful neck of the woods. Mm. It was chilly time of year, as you would know. I mean, you were over there and- in some cold area, you were in warm and cold areas, mm. but yeah, a lot chillier than what I actually thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember getting off the plane and I had a t-shirt on when I first arrived. And as soon as I walked out in DC, it was absolutely freezing. Right. So yeah, I pretty much, um, I always travel now. Like I have an emergency plan in my, in my um, carry on that I've got underwear and socks and, and different change of clothes. So fortunately I had a hoodie on there that I, 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 scurried in to get that out and threw that on and felt a lot better after I did that. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was a, that's an experience going over there in the cooler weather. Yeah. So, uh, and it's nothing like Canada. No, Canada's Canada is just a frozen yeah, wasteland. The photos of jazz there. I know. Well, how's that, that river that you and I went and stood by yeah. and took those photos on and jazz is walking across it. Frozen solid. Like when you see it and when you see the magnitude of it and like how fast the water's moving, you know, and the width of the actual river and then it's completely frozen over, mm-hmm. like with thick ice that you can drive a vehicle across. Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. That just goes to show how cold it gets over there, like negative 37 or something. That's like. crazy. The Walk With Me crew get out there and run dogs around. They walk dogs it. with it. And the dogs are having good fun. Like I'd be sitting there like feeling like my the insides of my lungs just frozen over and it's crazy. Yeah, in Chicago I walked, I think it was like 700 metres to go to a Target to buy Ripper toy and it was minus two. Yeah. And I had a big jacket and beanie and everything on, but I was as I got there I was like, this is really cold, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not enjoying this at all. But we're, we're so insulated from that here. It's amazing how you don't understand how difficult it is as a country that doesn't endure that sort of weather. Yeah. You know, like I was wearing, I, I packed thermals with me. So I took thermal legs and, and um, torso just because I thought it is going to be cold and I'm going to endure it. And there were, you know, a couple of times where I had to, had to don it. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of the weather podcast. Mm. Uh, so yeah. what happens at the IACP board meeting? So let me let me ask a couple of questions. Yeah. It's open to the membership, It right? is open to the membership. You're allowed to come as an IACP member. Did anybody? Yeah. Yeah, there was about three people that turned up. Three people. Yeah. Three or four people, I think. So I can't remember everybody was there, but there was uh, three or four people that turned up. It isn't exactly a thrilling um, <laughs> A thrilling position to to sit there all day long, day after day, listening to minutes being read out and you know action plans being being yeah, but it's, delivered. But the reason I say that is, it's not like it's uh, cloak and dagger shit. Like anybody can go, anybody it's can go. It's, it's completely open. You've just got to. There's a couple of times where you you have to leave the room when executive session is on, mm-hmm. and executive session is when private discussions are taking place. Mm-hmm. The membership will be excused on that because you know there's some things that obviously need to be spoken about that are off the record. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that time, yeah, you just ask, you know, can you please leave the room, take your belongings with you? And as soon as that's over, you're, um, the doors are open and you can return to the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what happens there? What, like- well, basically what happens is all the board members are going there to deliberate on what needs to be done for the organisation. And everyone was there? Everyone was there, mm-hmm. yeah. It was a full panel. Everyone turned up. Everybody that was supposed to be there turned up on the day. Mm-hmm. So each director is responsible for a certain sector. Mm-hmm. As people know, and I've probably spoken about several times now, but I've been appointed director oversight of the European Committee. Mm-hmm. So my role is to liaise with the committee in Europe and try and develop a relationship and build a network over there. So ultimately we can have conference in Europe mm-hmm. and that's what we're working towards. So we're trying to um, conference or a conference. Well, first of all, we're trying to establish a conference mm-hmm. and then if it's successful, build on the European membership and then make the conference annual like it is in North America. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's my area. And, and uh, Jason Fasconi was the, previous director oversight for that. So I took over from him and, you know, we've got several director oversights of different areas like Rick Alto is director oversight of the legislation committee with you. Yep. 
Jason Cohen, he's responsible for marketing. Jeff Scarpino is responsible for sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nelson Hodges is responsible for retaining and bringing on new members. Then we've got Julie, who's now Director Oversight of the Education. So each, each of us has got a role and we've got to report on what's actually happening in our area. Right. So we've got to liaise with our people and then come back to the board. And then we, we're doing that periodically anyway in throughout the weeks and the months that we're away from each other or not having an official board meeting. We are liaising with each other and just saying, you know, that we're trickle feeding each other information. But the whole point of face-to-face meetings is so we can actually get together for two days and get on with all the business that needs to get on with. Mm-hmm. So usual board meetings will probably go for several hours or whatever they need to be just to get business done. But this is an overhaul of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything that really needs proper attention, this is this is the time to do it. But, you know, it's business as usual through the year. So it was a great experience. It was wonderful to see it. It was run very well. Melanie Benware does a fantastic job as the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone does their job well. You know, that's the that's the great thing about it is um, everybody is in there and they, they respect their position and they're doing their job to the best of their capability, which is absolutely fantastic. Because as I say to people, what people have got to remember is it, this is a volunteer basis. All the, yeah, all the right. board of directors are volunteers. Yeah. So in between running their own businesses, they're also running a business for the members of a, a membership committee. Yeah. I think that's really important. People remember that, right? That mm. the whole board, everybody that's involved in like, certainly from my point of view, the legislative committee, right? Like yep. you look at say John Imler, who's doing an amazing job as the, uh, the chair for that at the moment and is doing a, like a shit ton of work that cuts into his either personal time or personal business time. Mm. And the work that he's doing doesn't even get his signature on it, right? It gets the president's signature on it. So yep. it's, it's quite thankless. To interrupt there for a second, I've heard nothing but great things about John. Oh, he's done an amazing job. Yeah. yeah. And that was uh, echoed through the, the, the board meeting as well. Yeah. Mm. And so that's what I mean. Like people like him and there's many others in other facets of the, the organization that are doing a lot of work and maybe the membership never even find that out because they're doing a good job of it, right? Like that's kind of the point. They're just in the backgrounds ticking over this kind of stuff. So Mm. I like to point that out because a lot of people say, oh, you know, like my membership's 120 bucks or whatever. Like what do I get for it? And it's like, we're actually getting quite a lot. You're getting quite a lot of stuff that's happening in the background and you never even find out that it's, it's happening. And, and, you know, John's writing letters every week. He's posting stuff for us to have a look at and check out and, Mm. and, you know, we're developing position statements and, and that kind of stuff. And, and really, you know, trying to stay on top of lead, like, you know, our area is just a legislative committee, right? Trying to stay on top of legislation and it's everything sort of animal related as well. Like people think the, the role is just fighting tool bands and that kind of thing, but it's like looking into breeding uh, well, look at that pop-up law that just jumped up in Hawaii. in Hawaii. Yeah, and I mean, fortunately, the ICP jumped all over that immediately. Yeah, um, and again, thanks to you guys and John and and Rick, that was instantly addressed. Yeah, and it was dismissed pretty much thanks to the ICP. Yeah, it's a funny one, right? Because the more I travel around America, people saying, "Ah, oh, you know, e-collars will never be banned here." That's never going to happen. It's like, oh, not be so sure. And and one like it- I think that's a oversight. People have got to be aware that you know you get enough popular votes and yeah. a, and a politician who's trying to make a name for themselves. And- well, and similarly, what like what could have happened in Hawaii is like you can kind of bury that in other legislation, so it gets through, and then you know without people noticing too much, and now as precedent is set, and it would be easy to pass around. But what I was saying is, it's not just that's not what the legislative committee does. It's just a, that's one just part of it, right? That's right. They're, they're trying to keep an eye on legislation everywhere in the world. We've got a thing now. Um, I should plug it actually. It's like the legislative watchdogs, which is definitely plug that. That's yeah. important. Yep. In fact, I would love to get John on here to talk about it more. And Heather Beck has taken control of that. She's, she's now sort of leading the push on that and controlling yep. those people. Um, but the idea is it's just a group of people who keep an eye on legislation locally themselves. Mm. And when there's something of concern uh, for the dog training industry, bring it to the attention of the legislative committee and the greater IACP and therefore allow some action to be taken. Because the thing is, there's just so much going on. It's the International Association of Canine Professionals, right? So right. like the idea of the 10 people on that uh, committee being able to be across what's going on all over the world is impossible. You need local people who are plugged into what's happening locally. And then, you know, we've got the templates written, like we've done the work. We, we can, 
people, if you can send through the piece of legislation that may be of concern, chances are we've got something that we've written that's similar and then we can go, Hey, like we can plug and play this yep. and, and send it in. And, and, and the submission then comes from a, a body like, and it's exactly like we did here with the um, potential e ban in Victoria. Mm, that exactly. Everybody should still contribute individually, but we, you know, like, like I did an individual submission for that but also did one on the behalf of the IACP. So how much weight that carries, it's impossible to know. But I certainly think that a letter from a professional organisation to a politician carries more weight than one individual. I, so I think that, right? Yep. I don't know. But it's not just about the tool stuff. It's it's general uh, dog stuff. And, That's it, right. and it's not even it, – I'm sure that other organisations are involved in this stuff, and, and I, don't, I don't know for sure. But there's a lot of things that – you know, are not balanced training, positive training. It, it's just training or the ability to even own a dog correctly. Like, you know, there, there was laws that would have made making a dog go outside in the rain illegal. Yep. Right. And that considered abuse to make your dog go outside to go to the crating, toilet in the crating rain. Crating your dog for longer yeah. periods than an hour. That's right. And so all these kind of things are the things that the legislative committee is, is paying attention to mm. and trying to cause positive influence into politicians because a lot of these things that when you read it as a lay person, you would go, yeah, of course, like that's, that's animal abuse. Right. But then when you like, as a dog person, you can then go, no, hang on. Like this is, this is necessary. Like, and this is an unenforceable law and something that's terrifying. And I can't believe people allow this to happen to them is whether you get put in a position to have yourself unable to break a law. Right. Mm. So like, but it's but that's that exists now. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. but people just go, oh well, you know, they would never enforce that, but they can. So if they wish, yeah, yeah. So one of them was like, your dog can't be loose in a in a car, yep. right? He has to be crated in the car. But then another part of the same legislation said that the crate has to be like twice the length of the dog. So unless you're going to go out and buy a Mack truck, there's no way you could crate. It's it's elite. Like to have your dog in the car, you mm. have to break one of these laws, right? You either have to put him in a crate too small that like what a normal person would use for a crate, but that's illegal or you have him loose in the car and that's illegal as well. So you, that's really dangerous legislation to me because now you're in a position where it's people say, legislation. Oh, yeah, well, you have to break the law in one way, right? Yep. And people usually say, oh, you know, like, you know, it's unreasonable. No one's ever going to book you from that, but they can. That's yep. the thing. Like that you're giving people power over you yeah. to there's from which you cannot escape. Like you cannot comply with that no matter how hard you try. And if they decide, well, here's, here's an extra nail we can put in your coffin when we're going after you for whatever other you know, reason we want, yep. you've given those people power over you. And here's um, the thing, and this comes from Kerry Packer when he does his talk about tax legislation, is that the government have created so many laws, and this is not just Australia we're talking about, this is laws around the world. They create so many new laws, but they repeal none of them. Yeah, And that's the issue that we've, we're all facing is that all of these draconian old law, you know, like some of these crazy laws where you're not allowed to ride bareback down um, the middle of the street on a horse, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just pulling that one out of my head. I don't even yeah. know if that exists, but you know, there are silly laws like that, that have no place in today's society. Well, like in Bart's told us about in Belgium, uh, because of the 1800s law that was brought in by some animal welfare person, uh, a dog can't pull anything. Yep. And so weight pull, like dragging, dragging weights, which is, you know, physical health and fitness, that's illegal because of a ridiculous law from the 1800s where they didn't want dogs pulling carts, which is a problem like that didn't need fixing. Uh, But that's why like his bicycle system, the attachment point is at the front of the bike. So technically the dog is pushing the bike (laughs) rather than pulling it because in Belgium, it's illegal to have a dog pull anything. Amazing. Um, So it's a crazy, you know, 200 year old law that Mm. doesn't need to be there. It's, it's pointless. There's a colleague of yours and mine that I won't mention on the show. I'll talk to you about it later. But they told me that in the state of Victoria, there are so many laws that it's almost impossible for every man, woman and child not to break one at least every day. Yeah, it, that's it. Right? And yep. that, that's a problem when people come after you because then they can go, here, we got you this, got you this. It's, it's no problem in the normal day to day. But anyway, so that we're, we're on kind of our anarchist rant here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it just goes to show, like it really does go to show how important it is for people to realise that when you've got people that are throwing themselves over these laws, like combing through them, how important it is that at least you've got those people who are bringing it to our attention to know this is the real danger that we're facing if we don't have people that 
can do anything about it. Yeah, that's right. And the long game is like people will look and say, oh, even if you're not into, you know, we have a lot of listeners that aren't balanced trainers, right? Mm. Or And would support tool bands. That, yep. That's fine, whatever, right? Yeah. But the IACP and, and other organizations' efforts to, you know, keep involved in legislative, the, that watchdog program, the tools is one part of it, but ultimately it's going to be the right to even own a pet. Like that's what we're defending in the long, in the long here, because you know, what that are you going to do? That sounds so ostentatious, doesn't it? But the reality is, is that's coming. That's and I mean, right. when you're talking about other organizations and this is my, this is the bite that I have in it all the time when people complain about joining the ICP or, or a member body who's protecting our rights, you know, now I, I know there's reasons why that, that happens and so forth and why those conversations come up. But when you're talking about other organisations who have got a $54 million surplus every year, like that's an annual surplus and growing and climbing that they're fighting us against, you know, the, I mean, it's important. It's so important because we'll fade away. Yeah. We'll fade away into obscurity if we don't start building a network of people who are just saying, hang on a second, you know, you're, you're misinformed. Yeah, and – that's one of the reasons I think it's really important. That's why we've had some people on the show and we've got some people lined up as well that are from maybe the other side of training that are great at what they do. Because I think before too long, it's not going to be an argument over whether we should be allowed to train dogs using balanced training methods or positive training methods. It's going to be whether we're allowed to train dogs at all. Yep. Right. We're all, them. yeah. Mm. And, and it sounds so, so outrageous that that, but that is 10 to 15 years away, like having to defend that position. Yeah. Um, the, the day will come. Yeah. The day will come. And and a lot of the people that are supporting this stuff without realizing the long haul of it are the like fur baby mummies that are like, no, I want my dog to have rights. And it's like, yeah, but he can't have responsibility. So therefore he can't have rights. Like he's, he's got to, we've got to look into animal welfare and we've got to make sure that there's laws in place to keep these dogs safe. Yeah. But he can't. And treated well and treated with respect for the species. Yeah. Yes, but yes. he can't have rights like a human can have rights right. because he doesn't have, he doesn't have the capacity to take on the responsibility that comes with those rights. Yep. And then if you accidentally kill your dog, you can be charged with murder or manslaughter Yeah, because you've just given. But uh, also like if you're telling me he has to go outside to pee, like yep. that's, that's by some of the definitions that are, have come up in that legislative committee, that is abuse yep. and causing any mild discomfort is abuse. Yep. And the the definition of mild discomfort, that's a dangerous thing, right? Because if I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I haven't eaten yet today. I'm kind of hungry right now. That's, that's a mild discomfort I'm going through. Yep. Right. So that, that's, that's something that if I were, if, if my dog could express that and someone said, Hey, you've just caused, he hasn't eaten either. He's out there in the car. He's actually probably more comfortable than me because he's in his box in the air conditioned car, but he's probably not that happy with his position in life right now because he would rather be working. And if see, he could diagnose see, that as mild discomfort, that's abuse. See our episode on consent. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so that's our rant and my plug for the uh, IACP Legislative Watchdog Committee. And I think that we definitely should get Heather and John on to talk about that in more detail and talk about what that is. But if you are a member, to, to be a part of that, all you got to do is be a member of the IACP. That's it. Yeah. Um, like a professional member. And you can be a part of that. And it really is just keeping an eye out for legislation as it comes up and, yep. and notifying the committee and saying like, Hey, this is what's going on and this is the action and, and being available to maybe speak on behalf of the ISCP if, if, if there is a, an opportunity to do that. Yeah. One of the things that does really put a nail in it for all of us is other people's apathy, mm. you know, because we're all guilty of this, but we think somebody else will do it. Yeah. And that really is a bother because I, I can't tell you how many organizations suffer at the hand of that where everybody thinks, well, you know, you'll do it. You'll yeah. do the work or yeah. you'll report it. Yeah. Whereas if you know the information, like that's when you really need to step up and say, hey, hang on, there's some pretty dicey action happening in my neck of the woods. I yeah. really need to get this in. Yeah. So I did hear feedback from the uh, board of directors that that's one of the things that they are relying on people to do is report things in. Yeah. You know, you just don't just don't assume that somebody else has done it. If you're a professional member or a member, get in there and, and jump on board. Yeah. And I think – one of the things that I've spoken about here before, but it drives me crazy when people I see saying, you know, what are the ISCP doing about this when something's happening? And it's like, are you a member? Yep. And they say, no, well, I, I, they don't do anything about anything. Why should I join? It's like, well, you'd have no right to complain about anything. You have no right to 
to mention whether you're happy, sad, or what their action or inaction is doing because you're not a member. Like yeah, you're you just can, riding the coattails. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're complaining. If they're successful, you're enjoying their success. If they're if they're not, you're complaining about it. Yeah, mm. exactly. Anyway, that drives me crazy. It does. Anyway, that's our rant. Uh, so what else happens at the board meeting? Like what's changing? What's cool? What's who's doing what? One of the things that's, that I think is changing in a good direction is the education side of things. Okay. I'm pretty excited about uh, that. They're looking at upgrading the whole platform and it started off in a good place, mm-hmm. but they're taking it into a better place with just modernizing it, it, modernizing it, putting it online, which I think the members will certainly appreciate that it'll be uh, more modernized and everything like that. Like I said, you know, they've, They've obviously spent a lot of time in the background researching it and, and getting it all together. And the membership who have done it and have got the qualifications are pretty pleased with how it all turned out. But I just think that Julie's going to do a bang up job of, of getting that up onto an online portal. So it'll be easier and faster and far more accessible. So, you know, well done there. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Jason Cohen did an absolutely fantastic presentation on marketing, where we're going and what the board needs to be aware of as far as our online statuses and so forth. So mm-hmm. uh, it's like, it was probably like most marketing business meetings where I've been to before, where they've talked about how social media is working for your business. Like he was getting everyone up to speed on what we actually need to do to advertise the ISCP and mm-hmm. what to look for in the background. And uh, he's trying to make it very inclusive as you're aware of. I mean, he's got, certain trainer groups making quotes. He's making tiles out of them and putting yep. them up on board to share the achievements and some of the insights. Which, by the way, he asked me for one. So, listeners, if I've ever said anything that was interesting, let me know so that I can tell him. <laughs> haven't you got one yet? No, he, I haven't given – he asked me to send him something and I haven't, I haven't figured out anything worthwhile mm. to send. So, if I've ever said anything that was halfway intelligent, let me know and then I'll send it to him for his production. Yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> So in a nutshell, the majority of the meeting was very productive. I was impressed how well it ran. It ran primarily to talk. We probably ran a little bit over time, but there was just so much to get through. Yep. And it was a very friendly environment, very professional environment. No squabbling or arguing. That's good. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I mean, look, I've been to board meetings before where um, it just disintegrates into Madness. Madness. And it just goes round in circles and there's not much really getting done. But um, this was uh, this was nice to see. It was nice to see people working diligently with each other and pushing the barrow in the right place for the members, mm-hmm. I guess, is the is the way that I would probably paint it. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. And I, I guess that's what people want to hear as well, is that it's a members organization. Right? It's a members and- organization. And they're they're really all about Doing better by the members. Serving the members. Serving the members. The uh, role of that board is to serve the members. Yep. Yep. And people mm. are aware of that, which is yeah. good. You got up to some some mischief? Yeah, I did some stuff in, in America. Yeah? Yep. And was it? It was good. Uh, I was there for two weeks, did three seminars. Yep. Uh, it was So you, me, and Jazz were all in America at the same time. Same time. Yep. Yeah. Well, she she was in Canada. She was in Oh, yeah. Well. Oh, actually, when we were in America, she was back down there. She was in Maine then, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. How good is she doing a uh, thing in Canada? Amazing. Awesome reviews. People loving it. Yeah. Getting dogs playing that haven't played before. She's something, that kid. She's very talented. And she. one thing I like about Jazz and always have is she's got a very good discipline. Mm-hmm. She's got an ironclad discipline. Like mm. she keeps things professional. She keeps things to time. For example, when she's hosting Jay Jack out here, her written correspondence is always professional. She's always thinking ahead of time. Yeah. She's planning things out beautifully. Like, you know, she's, she's spot on that kid. Yeah. Mm. Well, she did work in logistics in the army. Yeah. She, that's right. And, yeah. and that's where she gains her strengths from. But um, not only that, she's, you know, like when you talk about putting heart and soul into things, she puts heart and soul into things. Mm-hmm. Whatever she invests her time in, she's it's the same thing as her jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Most people, I mean, we've talked about this before, but most people whinge and complain about spraining their finger and she's managed to get herself a blue belt and a score of, of first place medals in, in legit competitions here in Australia and in the US. Yeah. And she's got a broken back. Yeah. 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 She works. She works like a Trojan. So, yeah, I was in Orlando, mm. uh, did a, a seminar there. It went really well. Yep. It was really good. There was a lot of people that kind of traveled from all over the place, but people who I've known for many years just through the PSA community. Yep. So it was a good catch up with a lot of people and it was uh, a little bit intimidating. There were some people at the seminar that 
you know, I've been a fan of and, and watched their work for awesome. a long time. So that's, you know, that was really cool. And, yeah. and to, you know, sometimes I have those people there. It can be intimidating, but I also feel like it's, you know, they're, they're like, good work, Pat, like I'm supporting. But then for them to say, hey, no, I, found, I got some value from that. That was good. And so that, that's really- That is nice. Yeah, I feel mm. really good about that. Yep. Then, yeah, went over to Miami and um, spent- Oh, before a- you went to Miami, you you went and hung out with uh, Ivan. Oh, yeah, I went to dinner with Ivan. Yep. yep. That was really cool. Yep. So like I, I'd only met Ivan very, very briefly once before at ISCP, like just shook his hand, like, you know, maybe 300 people did that day. So yep. uh, we didn't really know each other. We'd, we've emailed back and forth a few times, mm-hmm. um, well, many times on some legislative committee stuff before yep. while he was on it. Um, but it was the first time we sort of sat down together and, and had a chat, which was really cool. Excellent. Um, just went to dinner. Nothing too exciting, but we had a really good time, had a really good talk with him. Yep. Um, he's a really nice guy. It, I would love to, he's doing that immersion sort of package thing that he's doing. It's, yep. a, you know, like a trainer school. I think it's eight days or something like mm. that. I would love to go to that, but I'm, I'm booked already. So I sort of told him, you know, if you get another, if there's another one happening, let me know. I'd love to get to it. Yeah. And I think it sold out pr- pretty much immediately. So it's full anyway. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, amazing opportunity to work with him. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know Jay speaks so highly of Ivan and, you know, he's, he considers him one of his primary mentors. So yeah, mm. he is definitely someone that is. And uh, to a lot of other people, of course. Yeah. You know, especially especially the in the um, thousands of people. IGP world. Yeah. And he's someone that really truly understands the dog mm. and, and knows how to motivate the dog. And so, yeah, it was a great conversation, but we didn't talk that much dogs. We just kind of talked life. <laughs> just Well, that's a. Sometimes that's a refreshing break when you're talking about dogs. It is because we're both talking dogs yep. nonstop all day, every day. Yeah. So we're just talking it's, about. It's, it is nice to have something else in common other than just dogs all the time. Yeah. We're talking about life and travel and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So he's a really nice guy. And and we definitely need to get him on the on the show. Definitely. It's just about getting schedules to line up. Yeah. But yeah, so that was great. So was in Orlando, drove down to Miami, mm-hmm. uh, met up with Dee Holt um, and uh, did like a staff training couple of days for her staff at uh, Applause Your Paws in Miami. Yep. Um, and they were great. It was an amazing facility. I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting to me, I, I don't think we have here in Australia, is the sort of urban or s- not suburban, like uh, urban training facilities that are, you know, in a built up area yep. that are kennels because, you know, we have a lot of daycare facilities here mm. in the sort of like, like, uh, you know, where I am saying the inner West, we've got the hound lounge, right. And it's yep. a, it's a, in the middle of the inner West, like it's a, it's a warehouse kind of set up and they're, they're storing dogs there all day and it's daycare and they do training, Yep. but there's nothing that I've ever seen in Australia that is like a, a board and train facility that is in the heart of the city yep i've never have you ever seen that here i've never seen it no so that's what they are in miami right right there and it's like in the full built-up area it's not like here where you've you know you're on what are you on here six acres or something like that yeah five acres yeah yeah so this is in a warehouse right like next door is a speaker storage facility right like they're so it's a it's proper built-up area yep amazing kennels around the outside training room in the middle Great setup. Look like, good. Re- yeah. Look oh, good from the photos. Really good setup. Mm. And that, that's been one of the things I'm really enjoying as I'm traveling around is seeing all the, the different setups. Yep. So yeah, she's got a great, great setup, great staff, awesome facility there. They do a really good job training, training dogs there. So if you're in Miami, definitely have a look at those guys for sure. Mm. But yeah. And then on a plane up to Chicago uh, and hung out with Fabian uh, Romo there uh, yep. at Found Chicago, it's called. Uh, Found Chicago. Found. Yeah. Yep. Because it used to be a rescue, now it's a sort of boarding training place. Yep. Same deal. It's right there in sort of the center of Chicago. Amazing facility. I'm I'm constantly <laughs> every time I'm tossing up whether Josh Wiggins's place is really different, right? Yep. In Houston Dog Works, but a beautiful fit out, like primo everything, like really nice place. But Fabians mm-hmm. is pretty good too. Really? Right? They're very different businesses. They yep. do different stuff, but holy shit, like just an amazing setup. Because Josh is more a like a studio for taking dogs in and training. It's a train. Yeah. More of a training place and they yep. don't have the kennels like yep. as much, but whereas at Fabian's is like, it's, there's, I don't know how many kennels he has, but it's a lot. Yep. Um, and they're all like beautiful primo Mason kennels. Like it was yeah. very yeah, Mason not- kennels are really good kennels. Oh, really yep. good. And in his training room, like, so there was kennels around the outside. And when I walked in there, you know, on the Friday evening as he's setting up, I was like, there's dogs in these kennels. Mm. And I was like, you know, 
what am I going to do in this room full of dogs barking? And he goes, no, 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 they won't be in here. They'll be in somewhere else. And then the next day, those kennels were like flat packed against the wall. So they, they, I'd never seen anything like that. Like they, they were a kennel, uh, you know, big rectangle metal box, but then they just had like wheels that they pushed flat against the wall. So we, he's, it opened up this giant what, space. Was it Mason kennels or, yeah. stone, or, or Stone Mountain? I'm pretty sure they were Mason. Mm. I'd have to, uh, I don't know if because there's a there's a bunch of really good kennel places that construct and build kennels in the states. I mean, any Mason, Shoreline, or Stone Mountain kennels. I mean, they're fantastic products. Yeah. If you're ever doing any kennel work, or they use a really good material called FRP. Mm. Um, so it's a bacteria pathogen proof, um, scratch proof, everything sort of proof, shatterproof sort of material. It's just absolutely fantastic for. I mean, I I studied it inside and out because yeah. we're I mean, obviously that's our business. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the America has really got some some rigid edge products over there for for doing their kennels and everything. Yeah, so. well, that's certainly that's the big difference that I've been noticing as I sort of travel around as those urban, really urban area boarding facilities. Yeah, you, I just don't believe you'd ever get it through council here. Like, I just can't imagine you'd get approved to to keep dogs like that. It's Australia is very very different than what we've got in America currently. Yeah, you know, there's. I think there's a change in attitude that's happening and it certainly has been the experience in my time because, I mean, daycare in inner city hubs and stuff like that has only been really popularised in the last 10-ish years. Yeah. You know, I mean, we just didn't have anything like that over that period, but yet that's been happening in America for years. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so Fabian did an amazing job. One of the best hosts I've ever had, to be honest. Yep. Not that I've had bad ones, but he was very good. Beautiful hotel. Everything was great. I had a wonderful time. Oh, a no. wonderful trip. Everything was great. And uh, yeah, Chicago, Chad came to the seminar, which was great. I did you caught a, up with Chadwick. Yep. Yeah. He came and hung out. Yep. That was good to catch up with him. I did and, see that he um, he put a podcast show out. With yeah. Him, a yeah, so he, he enjoyed it. I think that, you know, uh, sometimes, well, as we uh, go and listen to his show, you'll see, like sometimes people have an un, like a understanding of what it is the Nipopo stuff that I teach and maybe fill in some of the blanks themselves that aren't quite what it is. And so he was, he was super receptive, had a good time. We discussed it. We've been talking about it ever since and did a podcast with him kind of wrapping it up. So definitely head over to something to bark about and have a listen to that. Um, Get any hecklers? Uh, <laughs> there's always some people who uh, agree to disagree. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's interesting teaching overseas because you don't know everybody in the room. Like in Australia, you kind of know everyone, right? Like, yep. you say, oh, yeah, I know like what you're into and that sort of stuff and what you've achieved, but you don't know that in America. Yep. And there's always people who, you know, it's not for them. And that's, yep. that's fine. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ways to train a dog, you know? Um, Absolutely. I think that's one of the, one thing that I sort of always stress to people at the end of the first day after I've laid out the system and explained how it all works as I say, hey, this is a way to train a dog. It's not the way to train a dog. And the that, truth that, is that in itself, what you just said there is I think one of the most important aspects that any lecturer or anybody can actually begin a conversation with. Is yeah. It's it's not the way. Yeah. It's, it's just, just a way. way. Yeah. It's a very effective way. And it's the way that I love and it's a way that I've invested a lot of time, energy and effort into really understanding mm. and have I'm getting better and better at teaching. I'm having like, I certainly am observing people getting it better. I'm, I've used a lot of, you know, I've refined my uh, storytelling and examples to the point where I think people understand it better and, and remember it in a way that they can then use it. Yep. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just our way. There's loads of people that are. And uh, I don't recall dogs. you ever, ever not saying that. No, I've always felt that way yeah. because, you know, I have a, uh, yeah, before I even met Bart, me and Sam made a video series on how to raise a puppy mm. and that's online and I've still got the dog. She's still a pretty well-trained dog, you she know, is. like, so it it's not like that was wrong. Yep. It's not how I would raise a puppy again, but for the average pet person, I think that it's still a perfect way to do it. But we've maintained that it doesn't matter what way you're doing or what way you're doing it now. I mean, we're constantly evolving. Yeah, that's you right. Know, yeah. Like I hope in 10 years- I'm looking back at what I'm doing now and saying, oh, yeah, geez, I was not, not, what was I thinking? Look at, look at these laser beams I'm training dogs with now. <laughs> look at this. I've got my, I've got my mind control unit that I just put on and now me and the dog can speak plain well, we English can, to we can each talk, other. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pat Nolan said it best, I think, when we, we were talking to him and he said, I'm a better dog trainer now than I was last Wednesday. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. think that's a really good attitude to have. In fact, it, it was, there was a bit of a heckle that we got in an online review uh, a while ago. Do you want me to talk about that? 
Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we got a we got a bit of a heckle in in an online review saying that you know like we're we're pushing the Napopo system and it's you know like it's a bit of a cultish sort of way to do things and. I kind of took a little bit of offense to that because I thought we've never insisted that that's the only way to do it. We've just said it's a way that we like doing it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, and even with you teaching it and so forth, you've never ever said to anyone, this is the only way to train dogs. It's just a way that you have enjoyed training dogs. Yeah. Uh, you understand it thoroughly and you'd like to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I guess <laughs> people have a funny outlook on things sometimes. I think they get a little bit confused about things. Yeah, you can't keep everyone happy. Of course not. That's just life. Yeah. I'm not um, going to I'm not gonna even try. It makes you insane. But I think, you know, what's interesting is people are like results driven, right? So you, if you see somebody getting good results with their dog, no matter yep. what they're doing, I think it's important to try and understand it. Yep. And that's something that, you know, Bart has always drilled into me is that when you, you know, when you're traveling around, if you see something that you think is odd – that someone's doing and it's working well it's don't ignore it well yeah it's not good enough to go oh that's weird you got to now go hey i don't get that like i don't understand why this is working but i'm observing that it is and so Mm. obviously i'm the problem not what they're doing and you got to pay attention to it and i do that all the time that's why i love going to like psa nationals Mm. that's why i love going to train with people's clubs and stuff like that because you know Maybe one, like for sure in the bite work stuff, there's some things that are one percenters, but they're the pins that hold the big pieces together. Yep. And if you leave those out and we do that all the time because you can get like, okay, we've had three dogs that uh, train really similarly, you know, similar bloodline or whatever. And it's been bang, 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 bang process to go through. Yep. And you can, f- because of those dogs and where they were at, you might leave out steps and then the next dog turns up and he really badly needs one of those steps that you have left out with the other dogs because yeah. it was a genetic trait for them that didn't need to be developed. And I think it's that's one of the reasons I love training with people away from like when I'm teaching, but I, I love to go and watch clubs. And whenever I get the opportunity, I take everybody up on that when mm. they say, hey, do you want to come out to the club tonight? Absolutely, I want to because I want to just watch and I want to see – even just the way people run their club, the way people like, how do we do training? Do you get yep. all the dogs out at the same time? Are you, do you break off into different areas? You know, do you have one person who oversees a training or is everybody responsible for what they do themselves? Mm-hmm. You know, at what point with different dogs, do you bring in different elements in the bite work and, and where do you marry the obedience and the bite work together? All those little things, everybody does it differently. Everybody gets success in different ways, and I think it's really important to see as much of that as possible. That's one of the things I love about traveling around is being able to see, like, okay, you guys are successful. How do you do it? Yeah. Yeah, you guys are successful. You're getting good results. What are you doing? And then when you say, shit, that's not how I would have done it, now I have to go, okay, now I have to understand why are you doing it that way? It's not good enough to say, yeah, you do it and it works. That's not good enough for me. You then have to go, okay, why? Why does that work? And why, when I first observed it, did I – sort of have a bias against thinking it wouldn't work. Now I've got to investigate it to figure out, first of all, where did that bias come from in me? Mm. Like, why did I not think that would work when clearly it is? And now I have to understand, okay, like what's the deep mechanism behind how this does work? And that's, I fucking love doing that shit. That, that's, that's, what, that's what I enjoy more than anything in this, in this industry is that you'll never know everything. There is no right answer. There's, there's lots of things that work, but there's no textbook, this is what must be done. For sure. And, and, and dissecting that, understanding it, and then playing with it is, that's the fun of, that's why I do this for a job. That, yeah, that's, that's why, you know, you, wait, how long have you been doing this? 30 years? 30 years. And you'll never get, you'll never get it all. Like, well, you can't afford to be too insular. That's, uh, you know, that, that's one of the worst things that can happen to you as a human being. I think that's when you wake up at the end of your life and think, I missed the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I got all the way here and you know, I've missed out so much valuable information that I, I was envious or jealous or ego driven that I, I just didn't allow any of this information to come through. Whereas if you say, oh, you know, look, I tried it, it didn't work for me, mm-hmm. or I tried it one day and it did, you know, and you can say, well, that was, I appreciated that 10 minutes that I spent with that person and they showed me that information. Yeah. I can't think of any more appreciation than if somebody's willing to share information with you to give information to you. And that you're there willing to receive it. I think it's it's a wonderful reciprocal relationship. Yeah. There's so much fun in continually learning there in is. this stuff as well. Like it when you get it, right? Like yeah. when you actually get to that point, because you know, I mean, I've talked on the show about it many times before where I've had learning bias because I've protected 
somebody else's system so vehemently that I thought, no, you can't go against this person, you know, because they're the guru and I don't want to disrespect them or, mm. or make them think that I think lesser of them. But in actual respect, you're, you're creating a, a, a long-term issue for yourself. Like you're setting yourself up for a, a giant kick in the ass in the end. Yeah. Uh, and I have had that issue before where I've spent far too long defending a position that rightfully I didn't need to. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I really enjoyed while I was gone was, you remember Feffin we met at the club in, um, in Florida with the three-legged dog Kong? Yes. So, you know, this is the third time that I've met. So we met her there and I worked Kong there and then, trained with her prior to nationals and then she was at the seminar. Yep. Um, so I've worked that dog three times. Right. And he's a, he's a powerhouse of a dog. Like he's a, he's For a dog a, with three legs. That's yeah. He's a lot of dog, mm. it, it, whether he's got three legs or not, he doesn't give a shit. Right. Mm. But he's a French ring crossover. And so one thing, you know, decoying is not my greatest skill. Like I do a fair bit of it. I do as much as I possibly can, but I have access to the dogs that I have got a super broken body. So it's not like I can do heaps and heaps and heaps of decoying. So like I'm reasonably good at it. And by, by standards of people around here, I'm, 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 I'm good. You're a good decoy. But on international standards compared to some of the people that I, you know, I see and work with, I, I, it's like I'm first date, right? Like I'm terrible. So I love, that's an area where I've got a lot of room for growth, right? And I love observing that. So that fucking dog, Kong, right? he's a French ring dog and she's changed him over to PSA, right? So he's got his PSA too. Yep. PSA, we like to know where the dog's going to bite because we, like in the courage test, it's a real courage test. We're sprinting at the dog and we like to know to keep everybody safe, right? So the decoy doesn't get his knees broken and the dog doesn't get his neck broken. We want to know where he's going to bite. So she spent a lot of time tra- tra- like convincing that dog who's been taught to bite the pivot leg to bite the left leg, right? So, <laughs> and I've never developed a French ring dog because we don't have French ring here in Australia, right? We I've n- I hardly get to work a French ring dogs ever, except when I'm in the States. Yep. Do you think I can get that motherfucker to bite me on the left leg? I just cannot do it. But I had such a good time. We did a session and I was trying to, we're just kind of get, giving him a bite and then a, like revving him up to do an area search. So it was just a send to a bite. And I was convinced. I said, okay, like 100%, I'm not going to move. Like he's going for my pivot leg. If I don't pivot in any way, shape or form, he's, he's, he'll bite the left leg, right? If I don't move at all. So someone was filming and I got sent the footage and he just slams me in the left leg high, right? And I was like, <laughs> you know, and massive bruise. I'm not wearing a goal on that. Like I still got a bruise from it three weeks later because he bites a lot. Bites hard. And I was like, I didn't move. I didn't move anything. I don't know why he didn't bite me in the right spot. She takes it really well because he's like, you know, it's a, he's a hard dog to work. Yep. But I was like, it was doing my head in. I, was, I didn't move. And I, I even planted my left leg and was just going to – because it was a short send. I thought even if I stonewall him a little bit, he's a big dog. It's, I'm not going to hurt him, right? Yep. And it was a send over just a few meters. So I thought – I'm not moving this left leg. There's no way he's gonna he's gonna interpret that as the pivot. Yep. No, hits me high on the left, on the right. Sorry. So someone filmed it. She sends me the footage. He's reading my eyes. Like I was in. Like he knew. Like I was like, I have to be giving something away. Like there has to be something happening here. And it was my eyes and my neck. When I slow that footage down completely, he's reading my eyes and my neck and knows full well that I want to get bit on the left. And therefore as a French ring dog wants to bite me on the right. Yep. But that to me was so much fun to sit there with that video and watch it 10,000 times over and over and over and be trying to find the thing in myself mm. that he found on the go. Right. Like he was like, no, this is a trick. You motherfucker. I'm biting you on the, on that right leg. You're trying, he knew I was trying to get him. I was trying to get him to bite me on the left and went for the right. And it was as subtle as it was just the way my eyes were moving. And I watched like a little bit of kind of tension in my neck because I was intending to let him spin me around one way and it kind of braced for that impact. And in fact, he hit me and went around the other way. So it sounds kind of boring. And that's so technical for people who don't understand the way that different dogs bite and ring dogs versus like PSA dogs. But for me, that was so much fun and, mm. and trying sounds to, fun. trying to understand that. And I'm sitting there in my hotel room with the video going like on a loop. I'm like, what am I doing here? And zooming in on it and trying to figure it out and trying to understand like what the fuck's happened. But that's the growth, right? Like that's the fun that we're having. That's it. Like you'll n- never stop learning. 
and there'll never be a system that works for every dog and this this is the cookie cutter and we just put on it and this is how it's going to work because like every dog's prior history knowledge learning is different before they come to us mm. and the chances that I will ever get to work another three-legged dog who was started in French ring and changed <laughs> over to PSA right what are the chances of me encountering that dog again and so he's a variant of the hopefully tens of thousands of dogs that I get to work in a similar fashion in the future, right? But now I've got that in my toolbox when I when I come across a, a six-year-old dog who has started in, in French ring and cranged over to PSA that's only got three legs. I've got that now. Yep. I, I've ticked that box. I know how to do it. Now you've right? got to avert your eyes. Yeah, I know not to flex my <laughs> neck in a weird way. But anyway, so that's my story of, you know, how much fun – It'll never stop. It'll never not be fun. And if it is, it, when you get to the point where you know everything, chances are you've just stopped paying attention to to everything. Yes. I was on the phone to Bart last night. I was talking about like he's he, just something that happened to his club and with a dog and he goes, I've never seen that before. And I, I was laughing. I was like, for you to say you've never seen something in the, in the bite work at your own club before, like that's that, that he's still surprised 45 years into it, it never ends. Yeah. Well, I mean, individualism is always open to interpretation. Like they will do something spontaneous that will just catch you out and you just – but you've got to be open to receive it as well. That's right. I mean, I'm not trying to sound all woke and ethereal, but the reality is if if you are paying attention and you're looking at things, you you will be astounded at some of the behaviours you see. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I see it in human behaviour and dog behaviour all the time. I just think, wow – I wouldn't have expected that, mm-hmm. and and yet it happens. Mm. That's one of the fun things as well. Uh, doing the box training, like you know, that's kind of gone full circle again. More people are starting to get interested in that. And one of the things I've been doing at the when I'm teaching is getting almost every dog that's there, whether there's working spots or not, because a good box session, especially an early one, takes two minutes. You know, so like I cycle the dogs through fast, and getting to see like twenty dogs in in an hour do it and everybody gets that like oh it can go a lot of ways right like there isn't this is how it should there's go there's no just absolute set pattern no this mm. is not how it should go this is like it can go like this and if that happens now here's the branch plan that you're on right yep. and oh for this dog you know let's take it a bit easier because it was hard for him to even get in the box so that that's it like he's done we click him out and you know there's so many different ways it can go yep and at every at every event now we're doing at least 10 dogs in that and then I you know I'm at every event so it's like in two weeks, I saw, you know, 30, 40, maybe it was even 50 dogs do a session in the box and no two are similar. Yep. And what's exciting is when there's people there who have a, a been practicing a lot at home, we bring their dog out. Like Alison brings her dog out, Alison Grubb, and like it was like <laughs> I've never seen a dog. He's a, a bulldog, right? Like flat nose. I've never seen a dog drive so hard into the box. Like <laughs> the dog, you know, he was what you would call like – is an expert in the box. She's yep. very, very good. She knows it before. She didn't learn it from me. She learned it from Bart, right? And so, like, that was commitment to it. And it's amazing for people to see that. He's driving into it so hard. He's like, you, you can hear him trying to inhale the, the sealer out of the wood in the wow. bottom of it, right? Like, super powerful action. And then you got another dog. The next one comes out and he can barely manage to get into the box, right? He's, like, doing the, the jiggly dance at the edge of it, like yeah. whether he can bring himself to even put his head in to eat the food. A, a bit of conflict. Yeah, and, yeah. and those two dogs, like, one after the other, and we look up and we say both those dogs just had a good session, mm. right? Like, that's a good session for both of them. Didn't look even remotely similar. Nothing was even remotely close about the way that went down, but both dogs had a good session. I'm really happy with how that went. For both, right? Which is cool. That it will ne- we'll never get bored of this shit. We, and if you do, then you've stopped paying attention. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah, that's my story. It's a good story. Yeah, good wrap up. Yeah, mm. that's our podcast for a couple of blokes with no topic. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> just we're going to catch up with each other. Mm. Went off on a on a little rant there. There was a good ending to it though. Yeah, interesting story. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we've got some cool interviews coming up. Lined up a few uh, exciting people. Yes. Which is fun. So, yeah, stand by for all that. Mm-hmm. That's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. Uh, if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to jump onto Patreon. I've had a bit of an influx of Patreon people at the moment, which is amazing. Thank you. Um, cannot thank you guys enough. We're sitting at this fancy new table that you guys bought for us. Yep. 
we're in talks about how we're going to better soundproof this room. Yeah, it's going to um, need a little bit of – I can hear it already verbing into my ears a you're bit. You're the only one, but but, but we're going to fix it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you guys for doing that. And then another way you can support the show is to jump onto Teespring and buy yourself some cool merch, and we get a couple of bucks for every T-shirt that you buy. It's good to see a lot of the guys from the, the board of directors were wearing yeah. – repping the gear. Oh, mate. I, I went there. Melanie's wearing it. Cohen's wearing it. Yeah. What's funny is at uh, – I think it was in Chicago – uh, a couple of people had Canon Paradigm hoodies on, right? And yep. then other people were like, oh, I was too embarrassed to wear it. And then the next day, half all, the room. All there. <laughs> yeah, the Good room on you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, really. Thank yeah. you very much. And if you want to get in contact with us, your best bet is to post something in the discussion group. Jump into Facebook, join our discussion group there. That's the best way to get like some group think on information. But if it's something really specific for us, you can shoot us an email. We are info at the That's it. Glenn, music. Music. <laughs>